Perhaps you'd turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and Oliver is going to read for us this morning. So please turn to Ephesians and chapter 5, and we're going to read together. We are going to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 to 14. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians and chapter 5. Father, we pray that as we look at your word, that we would be humbled by it, guided by it, directed and changed by these words. Thank you for the truth of them. And we ask that as we are Christians, or perhaps not even Christians watching today, that we would be moved to respond to them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, summer is long gone, and it's behind us in terms of those long, bright uh, uh, summer evenings. Weren't they lovely? And this year more than most, though, you might be wondering about what's ahead in the dark winter. There's a lot of uncertainty, as we know this year, heading from the light of the summer to the darkness of the winter. There is, however, a sense in which something completely the opposite of this has taken place. That is, among Christians. You see, instead of heading into or towards the darkness, Christians, we learn from the Bible, are headed in the very opposite direction. In fact, they are, Ephesians 5, verse 8, as we've seen. Christians are light in the Lord. I'd, I'd love for you to, to read verse 8 with me very carefully. Have a look at verse 8, please. Paul writes, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. As we know, Paul has been writing to Christians who are surrounded every day by behaviors and lifestyles and attitudes and group chats that just don't fit with their new lives of following the Lord Jesus. He's talking to Christians who were experiencing what it felt like to be surrounded and to stand out as different. And Christians who, in most cases, were feeling the pressure, tremendous pressure from that world around them to fit in. And, and, and it's really a bit like us, if you think about it. 
if we're already Christians, we're facing that pressure too. Different and facing the pressure to be like our surroundings. So what's the Bible's message to the Christians in Ephesus and through God's word to us today? What's the message to Christians like us? Well, it's simply this. Leave the darkness behind you and walk as children of light. Leave the darkness behind you and walk as children of light. It's a really powerful picture, as we saw earlier when we were talking with the children. It's really powerful, light and darkness. Paul's point isn't that Christians are in the vicinity of light. It's not that Christians are standing with an amazing, bright summer sun beaming down on them. It's, it's much, much stronger here in Ephesians 5. Paul says, you are light. You are light in the Lord, verse 8. Christians are light now, having, verse 8, once been the direct opposite. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so churches, gatherings of new life transformed Christians, are made up of broken bulbs, if you like. Broken bulbs that have been made to shine brightly. Not because they're good bulbs to start with, but because of God's sheer grace to us in the Lord, in Christ. You are light in the Lord. And, and so it makes sense that Paul would warn the Ephesians and warn Christians like us, leave the darkness behind you. Leave the darkness behind you, verses 3 to 7. Have a look at them. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. It is not proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Paul's warning Christians about any kind of sexual behavior that is out of place. He says, let it not even be talked about. Verse 3, leave it behind with your old life. And, and maybe before you were a Christian, there were norms and behaviors in this area that seemed okay. But Paul explains that for Christians, considering their behavior in this whole area, he says all impurity, all covetousness, that is greed, if you like, or greed and desire for self-fulfillment in this area. All behavior like this, Paul says, must be done with, must be left behind. Now, you might be asking, why is the Bible so strong on this? Well, have a look back to verse 2, before the passage we were looking at. You see, Paul has reminded Christians already that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God wonderful. There was, a, there was at one time a demonstration of amazing love, wholehearted love, self-sacrificial love. The Lord Jesus gave himself up for us. And so it makes sense, doesn't it, that any, any kind of immoral behavior in the sexual arena, it just isn't fitting with such a gracious, life-giving love. And it mustn't even be named among Christians. One of the commentators puts it really well when he says that such behavior as verse 3 describes is really signaling a break with God. 
It says effectively, I'm my own person. I'm walking away from God's ways. I'm walking away from His design, His amazingly perfect provision for intimacy and love and fulfillment within a marriage between one man and one woman. It makes a break with God to do something contrary to the way He loved us. And I want you to think for a minute as you consider this about today's language in this whole area. Think of language of self-fulfillment, language of freedom and expression, pleasure, my rights, my indulgence. And, And all that language sort of elevates my own desires and my own pleasures and my own freedom. It puts it right above anything else. But the Bible warns us that living in submission to those powerful forces that we may have elevated in our lives is actually a break with God. And they're so empty compared to, and and contrary, not just empty, but contrary to God's amazing and sacrificial love for us. So if you're a Christian, leave. Don't surrender to this realm of darkness. That's how it's described here. Now, perhaps you're younger and you're deciding how you'll live your life with regards to all these issues. Well, the Bible says, leave the darkness behind you. And if you've recently become a Christian, leave the darkness in your past. Leave it right where it is. Leave it behind. And if you are a Christian, I want you to consider again today Christ's love for us. And I want you to refuse to allow any behavior or habit or attitude. Don't let anything breach your relationship with the Lord. And you know, some of these desires are strong and powerful, but no matter what the promise of fulfillment, leave them behind. Paul will directly address husbands and wives later in this chapter, and we're going to look at that soon in the next couple of weeks. But here, if you're a husband or a wife listening today, don't even let them mention of those things in verse 3 creep into your marriages. So from behavior, Paul's next warning expands into words and speaking. Have a look. He says, let there be no filthiness. This is verse 4. No filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. And and if you're a Christian, you, you know that this kind of talk is, as the Bible puts it, out of place. It just feels wrong to to speak and joke like all this. It's jarring. It doesn't sit well with us. And so this warning may have something to do with the fact that even crude talk can create a backdrop where crude behavior is more likely to take place. And so as Christians, leave it behind, the Bible says. And at the end of verse 4, there's a surprise though, isn't there? Why would Paul put thanksgiving as the thing to fill our conversations, as against the crude jokes and the foolish talk and filthiness. Thanksgiving. Why doesn't Paul say, talk about good things, have edifying conversations? He says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. It may be because of what thanksgiving does. Think about thanksgiving. I love what Peter O'Brien says. He says, thanksgiving is almost a synonym for the Christian life. Isn't isn't that interesting? Thanksgiving as a word that means almost the same, a synonym for the Christian life. 
In other words, Christians have a kind of gratitude for what God has done. We've been singing about it, our redemption in Christ, this wondrous mystery of what Christ did for us. And you know, Christians sort of well up with this, and they want to sing about it, and it comes out in how we live, how we talk. So in other words, thanksgiving is the proper response to God, like when we sing a song like, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. When we sing all these songs, it's because there's something that God has done for us that makes us want to respond with our lives and our words and our voices. Let people who at one time were totally lost, totally self-focused and dead, that was us, chapter 2. Let us now talk not about horrible and disgusting things, but in the way we once failed to speak as we were opposed to God and what he had done. Let's speak in thanksgiving to God. We need to leave the darkness behind. And even if you were up to your neck in it at one stage, leave it behind. And as you do, there's something wonderful. You get a new vocabulary, a new language. Do you ever want to learn a new language? Well, if you're a Christian, you've got one. You've got this wonderful new thanksgiving coming out of your mouth, praising God, his gracious saving provision for you, his hand on your life. And if you haven't used that recently, that language, start speaking again. Tell everyone. Well, as Paul urges Christians to leave the darkness behind, he's going to add two severe warnings in verse 5 and verse 6. And those warnings are exclusion and wrath, God's wrath. Have a look at verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I don't think Paul is saying that Christians who fall into these sins are suddenly and automatically excluded. Rather, he's showing that men and women who who make this their way of life, who become sons of disobedience, who take on the family traits of disobedience in all these areas, He's showing that these people, these men and women, who will walk this way will have to face a terrible exclusion from the kingdom of Christ and God. They're destined to face God's wrath. But if you're a Christian, there's a real danger of being tricked to walk in the same way, to stay in the darkness, to do the same things so that they become habitual and shameless. Look at at Paul writes in verse 6, he says, let no one deceive you on this. Don't listen to their justifications, their insistence that you should live how you like. People will say it's your life, your body. The loudest cultural voices these days, the ones speaking to us from our media and our culture, the ones we're reading in our books and listening to in our music, are sadly and devastatingly for many people just deceptive and empty words. They're powerful, though, but deceptive, empty words with nothing in them. Leave the darkness behind. Remember the gracious and life-changing words of the gospel, words of life and substance and truth. I want you to think about your diet of words in the week that's just gone. How much of it has been 
those other voices, loud, cultural, devastatingly empty. And how many have been these, the gospel, good. We need to change our diet. We need to move on, leave the darkness. Christ loved us, Ephesians 5 verse 2, and gave himself up for us. Verse 7, Paul writes, therefore, do not become partners with sons of disobedience. Don't follow the ways of life of those whose lives are characterized by this kind of disobedience to God. So leave it behind this September. Even as the light fades outside, leave the darkness behind, despite the fading summer, and no matter what the, the winter has in store. Now, secondly, and more briefly here, here's the second thing we looked at at the start. Walk as children of light verses 8 to 14. Leave the darkness behind, walk as children of light. Verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What he's doing in this passage is Paul is urging Christians in Ephesus to recognize and understand the extraordinary transfer that's already taken place in their lives, if they're Christians. You are darkness, now you're light. Let's just turn this light on to remind us. There's the difference. It's light. And as we think about and grasp that transfer, it'll help us to live rightly too. Have you ever listened to the stories of some of the people who were in captivity, maybe former hostages, and then people who escaped um, an awful regime and managed to get free and move to freedom? Have you ever listened to their stories? You see, there was one time in their lives when everything changed, their lives got better. They were redefined by a new freedom. And that's you if you're a Christian. Darkness to light in the Lord. That's what happened. The life you now live mustn't be shaped by that old life, the darknesses of your past, the old habits and thinking and depression. But your new realm now defines you your new realm, not the old one. From death to life, you can see here the, the contrasts. From darkness to light, from sleep to waking. So Paul moves from describing what Christians are, light, to how they should live as children of light. No longer sons and daughters of disobedience with everything that that's heading towards. No, no. Paul says, you Christians are children of light. Light's children and Christians will be wonderful, fruit, wonderfully fruitful. Look at verse 9, concerned in how they live with all that's good and right and true, not with the unfruitful. I mean, imagine putting your strawberry plants into the attic. It would be unheard of. Why would you do that? You'd get no fruit from the darkness, no light, no fruit, just dead plants. Well, I want you to see what's described here. It's that amazing way in which living as children of light even exposes those empty ways of the world that were referenced earlier in the passage. 
ways that are shameful suddenly come to light and are changed. We haven't a lot of time, but are you leaving the darkness behind? Every day, if you're a Christian, remember that regime transfer as you make your decisions, as you interact with your friends, as you speak, as you scroll, as you spend time with family, as limited as as that is social interaction at the moment in the pandemic. Don't get fed up with the Bible's good guidelines. The darkness is still our backdrop, but we must keep living as light's children. Well, maybe you're not a Christian. I would say this directly to you if you're not. Don't spend your existence in the darkness. That's what it is. Not when there's an opportunity today to be light in the Lord. That's the Bible's call to you directly this morning. I was listening this week, just as we finish, I was listening to the story of a woman who had grown up starving and completely in, under the regime of, of North Korea. And then she finally escaped as a teenager. And one thing really struck me from what she said. As she spoke about her, her life under that regime and her life now, she was even more convinced these days that the terror and meaninglessness and hopelessness of what she had lived in should not be something she would ever go back to. Do you see what had happened to her? I'm never going back there. She could see it for what it was, a fraud, dark, evil, rotten. And she said, I'm not going back ever. It was all she'd ever known up until the point she'd become free. Her whole thinking had been warped It was pure darkness. She was lost. And yet now in the vantage of freedom, the light of her freedom, she was ready for a new way of life. There's no way she could go back to live under that regime. Brothers and sisters in Black Rock, if you're a Christian tuning into this message, that's you. Because of Christ, because of God's gracious rescue of you from death to life, from dark to light, You are light. You are light in the Lord to live a different way and show and expose that darkness. So why don't you stand up again this morning as we sing in Christ alone, my hope is found. And I'd like you to actually stand. And I'm sorry if this feels a little artificial in the living room and if you're balancing the cup of tea, but just put it aside. I want you to stand, if you're a Christian, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Would you stand and let's sing this together? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.
Please do pray with me. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for light. Thank you for a new way of life that you have given to those who follow you. Father, call others to follow you today. And would we, those who say we follow you, would we walk as light's children. Father, help us as we contend with the things we have to deal with this week. Be with us in our homes, in our workplaces, in all our uncertainties and fears, and show us again what it is to be free, to be those who are light. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been lovely to have you with us, and, and it's so great to be able to meet like this. Get in touch with us if you'd like more information on anything that has been said today. Um, get in touch. We also have a little book, if you would like, um, that will explain the gospel. 
and maybe help you think about how to follow Christ. Um, but let us know. And students, you get in touch too. We'd love to hear from you. Well, God bless you and see you next week.